Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. We'll rock it like you're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. And coming to you live from 1640 AM and also on com. it is Pure Gold live and on the air for this Wednesday night. January 16th, 2013. What an exciting soccer game we just had before. And coming on the air only about 26 minutes after we are normal start. This is a little later. Hold on a second, Joe. We yes. Had, we had a Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. That was the lovely Laura Jean Solano who is joining us live and in studio, even though she's <laughs> not here right now. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything that tells it like it is. My name is Joe Pacino. I'm my tag team partner and co-host. Seated on the other side of the glass, the new producer, the new executive producer, the new director, the new co-host, David Gomez. <laughs> How you doing, sir? What's going on? I'm uh, not much this here. Excited to be uh, a Nelson-less episode of Pure Gold. I'm sure Nelson is listening right now, wherever he is. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, as Joe mentioned, we, we've gone through, let's talk about this for a second. We've gone through our slew of producers in the history of this program now, the program is a little bit over two years old, for those of you here in the Ironbound section, 1640M in Newark, New Jersey, as Laura Jean just said. And um, originally we had a, a fake producer who was my, my co-host, uh, excuse me, my co-worker, and, uh, you know, just fits. We thought it was great. We thought the name sounded good. Then we had an actual producer for exactly two episodes, Flips. Then we went back to no producer at your homes. We ended up with Alex for a few episodes. Um, that, unfortunately, didn't turn out as we would have liked. Then we had Nelson, and Nelson was a valued member of the Pure Gold team for a couple of months. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Nelson, due to, you know, personal reasons, um, he's not here. I should, I should rip him to no end. But, you know, he is going to be moving across the country, so he basically has abandoned Pure Gold as every other producer that we've had has done. Leave it to me, you, DG, to not even mention thank you, Nelson, on the last oh, show. Geez. Yeah, that, you know, sorry about that. Again, Nelson, if you are listening in, that's our fault. We should have done a, a thank you segment, uh, a little bit at least, talking to Nelson. But, you know, of course, we appreciate the time that he did spend here with us at Pure Gold. had a nice little conversation with Alvaro. And for those of you wondering what I'm talking about, these are the guys who run 1640 AM in Newark, which is our home. Out of your homes? No, not out of our homes. Live from 1640. And, of course, for those of you listening online via Blog Talk Radio, check us out. Our website, puregoldpg.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and all that other goodness. Don't even bother going on YouTube because we haven't done a show in I don't know how many months. Actually, it's been over a year since we've done a show, sir. It sure has been. So tonight on Abbreviated Pure Gold, we have actress Nicole Badan 
I believe that's how you pronounce your name. We'll find that in like four minutes. And Major League Baseball player, now retired, Paul LaDuca. Yeah, the Duke retired only a couple years ago, actually. I was reading uh, as, as early as, uh, as recently as 2010, he was still playing and doing his thing. And, of course, we, we always appreciate the guests that we have because this show is truly about anything and everything. We tell it like it is, according to us, of course. And uh, the guests that we get are just top-notch, you know, whether it's a super famous, you know, all-time great New York Met like Howard Johnson last week, or, you know, Lisa Katara, or, you know, this week, Nicole Bidan and Paula Duca. Just awesome, awesome guests. And, of course, next week we're going to have some great guests. We're going to have Miss New Jersey, nice. USA, 2013, Lee Duran, and Michelle Money, if you can believe that, actress extraordinaire. And uh, the thing, folks, in case you're wondering, I like to watch movies and stuff. I'm a huge Netflix guy. I love Netflix. I'm always on it. My wife and I, we decided to eliminate regular television, and, uh, you know, that's not the right there. But I find a lot of these actors, actresses, and, and interesting people to, to get on the show. And this is how we got Michelle. This is how we got um, Nicole this evening. And, of course, we'll talk to her in a few minutes. But, sir, the, last, the remaining minutes that we do have, what would you like to touch on? Well, let's hit on a hot topic, and I'm not talking about, uh, what, Mateo or whatever his name is from Norway. Mateo? The big story out of sports, besides football, which we'll try to get in between our guests uh, and talk about the uh, you know title games that are coming up this weekend. Of course. The big hot topic, sir, this week is uh, out of the blue, he's been lying to us for years, talking about not doping, uh, wins seven Tour de France titles, and now comes clean on Oprah Winfrey, Mr. Lance Armstrong. Please think! I wear, I wear a Livestrong bracelet, but I don't wear it in support of uh, Lance Armstrong. My mom had cancer back in April, uh, back in uh, January of 2003, and she gave me this, so I've never taken it off. Uh, but this Livestrong, when people do see it, they, they talk about Lance Armstrong. So I want to get your take. Why all of a sudden is Lance Armstrong coming clean? Is he trying to rebuild his image, and why now? Well, I don't know if Lance ever can rebuild his image, and that's the thing. You know... There, there's so many different ways you could take this topic. Now, of course, someone says to yourself, and, uh, you know, I, I know your mom, obviously, and, uh, you know, she's a great woman. You know, you've suffered cancer firsthand. You know, my aunt has, has had cancer since the day I was born, if you can believe this. She was diagnosed with cancer. My aunt Carmen, who lives in New York, and, uh, you know, my dad's only sister, actually. So cancer is something that's affected us both in, in many different ways. And, of course, many of you listening here in the New York area and across the country the thing about Lance Armstrong, and I did an entire They Stink on Lance Armstrong, if you remember, when we were out of our homes, um, I read a post online that I thought was interesting, and, you know, if we had our callers, our peeps in Newark, whoever it is, it would be great to get their take on this matter, but, of course, I'll, I'll get the feedback from you. Somebody said, you know, this guy cheated in a sport that nobody cares about. I mean, obviously, people do care about certain friends, but not here. Cheated in a sport that nobody cares about to raise awareness and support for a disease that everybody's affected by. Forgiven? Yeah, you bet. What do you think about that? The fact that he lied but raised money for cancer. The fact that he raised money for cancer, an insane amount of money for cancer research through the strong, like you said. I mean, is that something that we can look past and say, hey, you know what, Lance cheated and whatever, but he cheated for a good cause? When you cheat, though, who are you cheating, though? You're cheating yourself. You're cheating the people that you competed against. Again, me and you don't watch the Tour de France, so... I mean, the guy's got screwed up. And, and i got to say, I was a fan of Lance Armstrong's in the sense when I heard he was going after, you know, Title Four, Title Five, Title Six, Title right. Seven. You know, I was rooting for the guy. And now, apparently, there was a, there was a company that gave him a sponsorship um, that he ended up suing him because of, uh, you know, whatever it was. But he won the case. 
being that there was never any proof. But now that he's admitting it, there's talk that company's going to come after him. I forget how much money it was, but it was a substantial amount. Yeah, I mean, you you, you could look. I can, I guess I could look past the fact that he he did raise all the money, but he did it uh, lying. I just think that I feel bad for the people that competed with him. I guess you give the jacket to the person that came in second for those seven years. Yeah, but even in that case, it's still you know it's tainted. Wow, I have no idea what just happened there, folks. Uh, that was a cheap, cheap that, plug. That was a cheap plug for ourselves, from ourselves. And, uh, again, this is my first time. <laughs> that was awesome, by the way. That was great. This is our, my first time behind the mic, but apparently I must have hit something because that was not supposed to happen. At least it was that person something else. That's a good thing, sir. Oh, baby, gotta love, gotta love it here. And we're waiting for Nicole Badan to, to join us, and she'll be... She'll be joining us any minute, but um, any thoughts on that topic? I just <laughs> that was interesting, sir. No, but getting back to what we were talking about, yeah. the guys who were cheated out of it, I mean, you're talking seven years, and I don't even know who number two was. It could have been the same guy all seven years. I mean, it's tainted. Do you want that title at this point? I mean, you got to take it if they're going to give it to you. I mean, and and maybe, uh, you know, uh, the thing that, that bothers my mind is why now? Is he facing, like you said, facing charges and facing federal crime? Because he doped and uh, he raised all that money like oh. under under false under premises. False pretenses, yeah. That, that's a, I don't know what you just said, but I think you meant false pretenses. And that's the thing too. On the other side of that is why is Lance doing it? What's the point? And honestly, I don't know what the point is. I don't know if we'll ever know what what the deal is. Why Lance did this or why he's coming out of the closet? Uh, you know, in terms of the lying, cheating, stealing, as it were. But you know, it is what it is. Lance has done it, and hopefully, you know, he's at peace. Hopefully he'll find peace within himself, and you know he's coming clean. And supposedly it was a teary confession and whatnot. It's just difficult from any the fan of point of the perspective of any fan. It's difficult because of what he's done. He cheated all of his fans. He cheated people who were looking up to him as a hero. So that's all out the window. But you know, folks, we're gonna have to take a, a quick pause on that because now we are joined by uh, actress extraordinaire all the way from the left coast, I believe. Nicole Badan is joining us, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. Nicole, how are you doing this afternoon for you, evening for us? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing wonderful, Nicole. Now, is that how you pronounce your last name? I, I have to know. It's Nicole Badan. Nicole Badan. I was you, close. You were pretty close. I was yeah. very close. <laughs> Sorry about that, Nicole. <laughs> it's all good. Just want to uh, get started here, and uh, what we try to do on Pure Goal is get to know the uh, our guests, so... Let me just ask you, what got you into acting, and when did you know you wanted to be an actress? Um, I kind of fell into acting um, through singing, actually, because I've wanted to be a singer since I was about 10 years old. Um, so through singing classes and performing lessons and all of that, I fell into acting classes and then acting jobs and then acting roles. Um, and then a few years ago, actually, it, it kind of hit me. Um, that I really, really, really loved what I was doing, and I think I was, as they say, bitten by the acting bug, and um, I haven't been able to stop doing it since then. <laughs> That's great. So uh, this has been like a just not even a job to you; it's just uh, something that you're very passionate about. Yeah, I am, um, and it's not as glamorous as most people um, assume that it is. I mean, there's really long hours and not that good of pay when you're just starting out um and 
but I mean, I just love that. Well, I don't, <laughs> I just love the work of it and I love being on set and meeting new people and working through different materials. So that's what I love about it. And the other things don't really matter when you're doing all that. Nicole, uh, you might think that, you know, it's hard work, but you, when you come to Pure Gold, you've actually made it now. You, uh, you're, you're at the top of your profession. You're talking to, uh, you know, me and DG and, uh, you've definitely made it now. Wow, thank you. It is an honor to be on your radio show, so I really appreciate that. The honor is all ours, Nicole. Just tell us, uh, what actor or actresses uh, influenced you, and do you have any mentors in the business? Um, what actors influenced me? I absolutely love um, Anne Hathaway. We okay. actually had the, the same voice teacher starting out. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've just found that really interested, and I feel like we're connected in some way. She just won a Golden Globe. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I haven't really had any mentors in terms of becoming an actress, but in terms of um, trying to become successful in the business, I run all of my business decisions and choices and things like that past my dad because he's a really good businessman, and whether it's acting or Anything else, really, when it comes down to it, the business is all the same. So he's been really helpful in that. Well, that's always that's always a great thing to have that uh, relationship with your parents. I know you you know you always hear a lot of different um, a lot of different things in terms of who's influenced by what. I remember uh, I met Kanye West several years ago, and I actually went to lunch with him. And his you know this is when his mother was still alive, and she was there, and she was always a big part of his life. And you know you hear things right. like Beyonce's mom was her manager for a while, and uh, you know, sometimes people have falling outs and whatnot, but, you know, obviously when you can trust your parent, like in your situation, you can trust your dad to be, you know, that moral compass and give you support and, and help you make good business decisions. That's always a great thing. Now, what I'd like to get to, Jessica, and, of course, before you came on, before you called in, I was telling <laughs> the fans out there about how I found out you and some of the other guests that we've had. And, you know, I'm a huge Netflix guy, so I was watching Netflix one night, my wife and I, we turn on, and we see this movie, Born to Race. And I was, you know, I was like, ah, you want to put this on? stick? I don't know, whatever, you pick it. So I picked it. And when I watch it, I'm expecting a bootleg, and I say, you know, with all respect, a bootleg Fast and the Furious. And, it, you know, the very first scene, it starts out that way, but it completely turns into something totally different, which I really appreciate and I really liked. And, I, you know, I, I like the movie quite a bit, which, Thank of course, is, is why I reached out to you to get you on the show. But... It, it's totally different than what you would expect when you first watch it. You think it's going to be just kids, dra you know, drag racing, just like in the movie. But uh, it, there's a story behind it and whatnot. Tell us, how exactly did you get the part of Jessica in that film? Well, first I'd like to say, first, thank you for picking that bootleg movie. <laughs> I'm glad you took the time to watch it. That was good. Um, I'm glad, too. Thanks. Um, I got the role... Um, well, I, I auditioned for it, and I actually knew the producers and the production company beforehand because um, the uh, the main producer of the film, I've worked with them before. Um, the first film I've ever made is called Bigfoot. Um, I did that when I was 16. And um, the producer, I had kept in contact with the producer, and then I heard that he was creating another film that was for my type of character and and my age range and my look and all of that. So um, I went back to California and I auditioned for him, and it just worked out that way. Um, but that's really what we tried to do. Um, we tried to cater to the Fast and the Furious audience, but we weren't going anywhere near trying to compete with them because 
there wasn't that budget on the film, and we were, we were just kind of trying to make a different film for kind of a similar audience, but more for, like, the younger crowd, right, more right. For the crowd that doesn't own the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris, but spends their time souping up their Subarus and their Mustangs and things like that. So I think that's why people feel that they can connect to it. Well, like I said, that's why I like the movie. I just want to clarify. I wasn't saying that the, the film was a bootleg film. I just expected it to be a, a cheap knockoff of Fast and the Furious. And like I said, right. five, or, five or ten minutes into it, once it flips over to the second scene, you know that that's not the case, and it's not about that. And then, you know, of course, you go out with the, with the, the main character, you know, Danny Kruger doing his thing, et cetera, et cetera, which I liked, and, and that, that's what, what kind of drew me to the film. Now, even at the end of it, of course, you see that, you know, Subaru was uh, was a sponsor, so there was a lot of, uh, and other, other big-name companies were involved in it. So it's obviously not, not just uh, some film that some, some random person made, but, you know, people got behind it. Tell us a bit. What was your experience like on the film? Now, you, you got, this is why I'm asking you this question, because you got to work with a guy who was one of my favorite actors many years ago, back in the 90s when I was a kid, uh, Grant Show, who was, of <laughs> course, Jake on Melrose Place uh, years ago. That was Joe's favorite yeah. show. But, you know, yeah. I, I know you guys don't necessarily really share any scenes together or whatever, um, maybe very little screen time. But tell us, you know, what was the experience like, and what was it like to work with a guy like Grant who's, done everything, and it's, you, you see his face, you know who he is. Right. Um, well, this might be a spoiler for the rest of the interview, but there's actually um, a second um, Born to Race film coming out, and I hadn't really spent much time with Grant show on the first film at all because, you're correct, we didn't have any scenes together, and it, and it didn't really make sense for our characters to develop a relationship like that. But I did spend a lot of time with him, um, on the second set this past November, and he is one of the funniest people you will ever meet, and he is he is so kind, especially for, like you said, just being one of those people that you recognize his face, and most people would anywhere he went, um, but he's so cool. He's, um, he's amazing to be on set with, and he's really fun to, um, he gives you great ideas when you're working alongside him, um, and that's and that's wonderful to have. No, of course, and you know, just so you know, once once this is done, feel free to pass our information along to Grant. I'd love to get him on this show as well. Um, <laughs> you know, just to kind of slip that in there. Now, I, I have to ask you this. I'll try to let him know. Oh, well, please do. Um, I got to get your thoughts on this because this is something that I'm very passionate about, and it drives me up a wall. But I want, since you're in the film, I want to kind of get your take. You brought it up, so I'll throw it out there. Um, give us your thoughts on the fact that for the sequel, none of the original cast is in it except for you and Grant. When I saw that, I said, okay, I, I didn't know that they were making a sequel. And I was checking out your IMDb page, and then I saw, oh, wait, there is a sequel. And then I started looking at who's in it. I'm like, who the heck are these people? So can you tell us, do you think it's a great right. idea in terms of trying to build a franchise? It, it's almost like, I say, it would be almost like replacing Paul Walker in Fast and the Furious 2 with some other blonde white guy and say, hey, you know, let, let's, let's see if he does a good job. Um, but tell us, why go with different actors versus the, the ones from the original? Right. Well, I think the first thing to mention is that I don't think the people in charge are necessarily focused on building a franchise. Um, I'll just say that and then I'll get back to it. And then secondly, um, Joseph Cross and Bruno Ian actually couldn't commit to a second film because they had other projects they were working on. Joseph Cross is actually just in Lincoln, which got nominated for everything, which is amazing. I'm so happy for him for that. Um, but once they realized that they weren't able to get the other actors back, they completely stood in an opposite direction and didn't really try to 
make a sequel. I said Born to Race too because it's easier to refer to, but it's, I actually don't believe the the second film is even called Born to Race. I think it they're still working on a title, but I believe it's called Fast Track, and they're really just um, elaborating on the the story of drag racing and street racing and just catering to that young crowd again. I, I don't think they're trying to um, develop a franchise in that sense. I just think that um, the producers and the company and all of that, I just believe that they want to just make another good movie for the people who want to see it. And in the second film, you don't have to have seen the first one to know what's going on. You don't have to at all. And the actors don't try and play the same characters as the ones before, and and they they have their own take on it. And um, Danny is now played by um, Brett Davern, and then Omar Shaw is fake. And they really took their own spin on how they saw the characters in their own eyes and the the actions that those new characters went through in the new story. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. Now, what I want to know, Nicole, is how much were you paid to say those lines that you just told us? Did, did the studio bribe you to make those comments? <laughs> wow, I wish I got paid to talk about the movie. I didn't get paid anything. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> really? Well, I mean, should I be? Should I be talking to someone about this? <laughs> I, I think you should. I think you got to talk to, to dear old dad and, and find out what's going on. I just, I had to get the, I had to get your take on it simply because, Again, when you see it on, on IMDb, it says it's a sequel, says it's part two, and it continues with, with the characters. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know that I've always, personally, right. I've, I've always hated that. Like, you know, when I was growing up, I was big on cartoons, and if a cartoon character's voice was changed, it just, I couldn't watch it anymore. Like, it would just turn me off to the point where I, like, I was done with it. So that that's not my uh, take personally. Like, I know that my uh, my co-host has some other questions to ask, but I just kind of have to throw that out there. So, so Joe, you... You continue, sir. Nicole, tell us. Uh, just give us uh, the inside scoop, the Pure Gold exclusive. What goes into uh, you choosing a part? Is it? Uh, it's obviously not about the money, because yeah, not you, about the money yet. Could, yet, because you're already going, you're, going to, you're going to win a couple Oscars. You're going to win a couple of Golden Globes. We know Everybody's that. Everything. Else. Everything. Just I hope us, so. <laughs> just tell us what goes into your your thought process in choosing a role. Um my thought process in choosing a role. Well, it has to be something that I agree with morally and ethically. And it has to be something that even if it's not me in the film, like even if I am totally becoming someone else for the film and for the role, right now in my career it has to be something that I would agree with. And if it doesn't, if it isn't something I would agree with, and if it was something I would never do or I totally disagree with, the storyline has to have some sort of meaning to it that gives that action um, purpose. So I, I wouldn't do something that, that I don't agree with if there wasn't, like, a reason behind it. Does, does that make sense? Makes total sense. Let me ask you this question. Let me uh, take you back to that question. If you were given two roles and you had to choose between one or the other, working with George Clooney or working with Will Ferrell, who would you work with and why? Uh, Good question, wow. sir. That wasn't planned, by the way, Nicole. I know that I sent you in advance some of the questions. That was totally awesome. That's <laughs> Joe right there being Joe. Well, that's amazing. I, I love spontaneity. Um, okay. Well, here's how I would try and decide. If I was in a film with George Clooney, there's a huge chance that would be nominated for something. <laughs> no doubt. And that would be awesome. That's true. But if I was in a movie with Will Ferrell, who 
I've seen every single one of his movies, and I cry. Like, I laugh so hard throughout them, and I feel like that would be so much fun. I thought you were crying because um, you're so bad. I, I, I didn't realize you were crying because you're... No, no, I'm <laughs> laughing so hard through every one of his films. I love Will Ferrell so much. Um, you know, I might say George Clooney because I feel like my mom would be really mad at me if I didn't. <laughs> I would love to meet him. <laughs> wow. Here, here's another, Nicole, I, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know that some of these questions were given to you by, by Dave beforehand, but let me ask you this. No, it's okay. And uh, it's a good question because I really want to get to know you. Uh, in terms of a future role, do you, I mean, do you, is there any role that you want to definitely do, whether it be like comedy or murder mystery? Uh, give us a role that you really intrigues you and you want to give it a shot. Um, well, there's a few. First thing is that I want to be in like a like a horror film because I want to have like my arm or my head or my leg like chopped off or something. Well, I feel like that would be awesome <laughs> to deal with like all that makeup and the and the special effects and all that. But that's just a little personal thing that I eventually want to do. Yeah, I'm sure your mom loves that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure your mom would be would be proud. <laughs> Probably, I'm sure she'd like it too. Um, but in terms of an actual like role, um, I really want to play someone with some sort of, like, mental disorder. Like, I would love to be, like, psychotic in a film just because, well, well I'm not <laughs> in real life. And I feel like that would really take a true test of my acting ability. And I would love to just be able to go there for that role and totally absorb all of that about this entirely new character. And I, and I would love to do that. You basically just picked the two most whacked out roles you could possibly have <laughs> and said, hey, I'd love to do those because that's not me. That's that's interesting. Um, you yeah, know, the because the roles i played so far are basically who I am. Like, I'm not much different from Jessica in Born to Race. The roles I've been getting are, like, the girlfriend or the girl next door. And that's great. I'm I'm so blessed to be in those films with those roles. But I would really also love to be someone completely different from myself to – to really see what I can do, because right. I'm not even totally sure of it. <laughs> so, so basically you're saying is that you, uh, for you in real life, for you to pick a guy, he has to be an illegal street racer, and he has to have a souped-up car, and basically be a criminal, and you'd be, you'd be all over that because, you know, that, that's that's who you are, right? I mean, that, that's, what you just, that's what I just got from what you just said. I mean... <laughs> uh, uh, next question, please. <laughs> All right, speaking of the next question, you, you kind of jumped the gun on us in terms of what we were going to do. You mentioned the singing thing. Um, tell us, what do you oh. prefer, uh, acting or singing? And, um, and you know, can you, can you uh, is there any song that you like to do? Is there, is there a Nicole, you know, Badan favorite song? Or, or, you know, what are we talking about here? What kind of songs were you singing? Were you singing like, a, you know, Metallica? Well, or were you singing Celine Dion? What, what, do you mean, what were we singing back in the day? Okay, whoa, those were a lot of questions all in one. Um, when I was in, like, seventh grade, I had a little solo, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. That was awesome. Oh, my, my dad, oh, like, cried in the audience. Joe's favorite movie. Second <laughs> favorite movie. I'm sorry? No, John and I was arguing about if that's his favorite movie or not. He's obsessed with Titanic to the part where he has a Leonardo DiCaprio in his bedroom and it's signed and everything. A really, really weird uh, thing, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, moving right along, okay. so you, so you say it's a uh, good movie. Oh no, it is a good movie. Very good. Uh, uh, you sang "My Heart Will Go On" by Celine Dion. So, w what made you get into acting more than singing? I mean, you know, are you gonna, are you really gonna do the whole 
um, in both worlds. You know, you're nominated for an Emmy and Grammy. You know, you're nominated for every award. Is that what we're going for? Yeah, we are totally going for that. Um, I I had wanted to be a singer since I was 10 and I mean when you're 10 years old you kind of want to do everything and be everything and and who doesn't want to be a superstar in Hollywood so I mean acting always appealed to me but I never really thought I would enjoy it Um, until actually I was on the set of Born to Race and on that set we were doing one scene and it was actually a slow motion scene um, and I actually just felt myself fall in love with acting and that that was such an incredible feeling and that was the first time I ever felt like it was equal with my dream of being a singer and that's kind of when I decided that I would also pursue it Um, and lately acting has kind of taken over my life which is which I'm totally fine with because I absolutely love doing it so um, I haven't been singing as much I mean I've been singing in the car all day (laughs) but I haven't been on like performing as much and pursuing that as much just because I haven't had time right, with right. Um, auditions and roles and everything. Now, now Nicole, um, one more question before we finish this up. Are you acting right now or, or, you know, is this a role that you're playing on the air with us or is this really, are we talking to the real deal here? Wow. Should I be offended by what? <laughs> no, I just had to throw it out there. You talk about the acting and stuff. No, but seriously, Nicole, this is, a, this is it right here. Last question. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Yeah, that, it is. That's just on the sheet here. Uh, what would you be doing if you weren't in the entertainment world, singing or, singing or acting? What would Nicole Badan be doing? Would she be street racing? I mean, what are we talking about here? Um, wow, street racing, that would be fun. <laughs> we can endorse the legal um, street racing here, just so you know, uh, for those of you listening on the, on the radio. I don't want to get in trouble. Why is that illegal? Here. Why does well, that have to be illegal? In um on on the set of Fast Track, we were on at the Willow Springs Raceway, and I was learning how to drive on the actual track, and that was my God, was that thrilling? Um, I mean, if I if I could do that, then yeah, why not? I've I've never really given it a shot professionally. I wouldn't do it illegally for everyone listening on the radio right now. <laughs> oh boy, well, well that's a good thing. So you so you like racing? Okay, okay, interesting. I like going fast, but who doesn't? Well, you know, I do, but then my wife will, will yell at me or something because, you know, the baby's in the back seat. But that, that's besides the point. Yeah, Nicole, I can't want my parents in the car or something like oh, that. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, we definitely don't want that. Now, tell tell the fans out there that are listening, how can they keep in touch with you? They can keep in touch with me through my, my Facebook page, actually. I, I go on every so often and I reply to all the comments. Um, and that's the place where I post um, most of my updates and things. I upload pictures. I uh, I um, have been posting some pictures from from this set um, and things like that. So if you were to go on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Nicole the Dawn, you could um, get all the latest info from me and what I'm doing. I posted about this radio show today. So I hope oh. that people are tuning in from there. Yeah. <laughs> and if I, you I, are, I, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I saw that. Now, Nicole, listen, we thank you so much, of course, and, and for, Nicole, for your friends out there who are listening. Yeah, Nicole, remember, my heart will go on. Oh jeez! <laughs> Listen, um, and so am I. Thank you, brother. Uh, Nicole, we really appreciate you giving us some time and you know taking time out of your schedule. It's definitely much appreciated, and hopefully, you know, we can have you on again when you've won your first of, of many awards. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure. You too. Take care. Have a wonderful evening. Bye. Folks, the one and only actress extraordinaire Nicole Badan, and yes, her heart will go on like Celine Dion.
Now, sir, we're going to get into the uh, second half of the show, as it were, because uh, the incomparable uh, Paul Leduca is going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, it was an interesting interview with Nicole because, uh, you know, we got a little, we were throwing some jokes in there and kind of, you know, messing around quite a bit. And speaking of jokes, that actually reminds me, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the extremely talented, the funny, the hilarious Nikki Boyer going to be interviewing us on our own show. That will be the 30th of this month. That sounds good to me. And what, is that two weeks away? Yes, sir. Two weeks, exactly. So we have, what, uh, a minute before we go to the top of the hour? Yeah, basically, depending on, you know, Paul comes in and whatnot. Yeah, let's let's quickly talk on uh, one little small nugget. Please. Touched on the Lance Armstrong. Let's, Lance Armstrong. We didn't even finish talking about Lance Armstrong. Yeah. They should, they should basically go to hell, uh, as far as uh, I'm concerned. Let's no, <laughs> not endorse that here, folks. This is a family radio station. Joe is off the rocker, officially. Okay. So the NHL lockout is over, and uh, se- is it really? yeah, the season starts uh, in, in three days. Oh, jeez! The New Jersey Devils, right here, right across the street from us, will be playing at the Rock again. It's basically going to be a 48-game season crunched into three or four months, and uh, every game is "quote unquote" a playoff game. "Quote unquote." And uh, I think that the Devils are going to struggle, sir. To be honest with you, Brodeur is a year older. They lost Zach Parisi. Kovalchuk is not that good, honestly. And uh, I just think that the New York Islanders, my New York Islanders, are going to have a better season. They're younger, they're faster, they're quicker. So the Rangers are going to be good again this year, too, so you got to watch out for them. They're a Stanley Cup contender. I think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs this year. The Devils won't. I know you watched a hockey game at the beginning of 2011. <laughs> Told me how you were into hockey. Oh, I loved it. It was great. I don't think you've watched another hockey game since. No, actually, I watched some of the Rangers playoffs, sir, so that is a lot. Oh. Well, in between working out, I, I actually did watch some of the Rangers playoffs. All right, so you are listening to Pure Gold. And of course. And uh, we'll be right back after this uh, ad, this brief ad from uh, Mr. JB, who's going to read a sponsor sheet here. So we have uh, Paul LaDuca, who is uh, going to be joining us in a minute. So just hang tight with us, Paul. Folks, for the finest Portuguese and Spanish cuisine, we have two great places for you. The Iberia Restaurants in Newark, New Jersey, and the Iberia Tavern on 80 Ferry Street in Newark. Telephone number 973-344-7603. And also the Iberia Peninsula, that's also on 63 Ferry Street in Newark. Their phone number is 973-344-5611. Two restaurants with great fine dining. Two restaurants with the freshest of fresh seafood. The oldest Portuguese and Spanish restaurants in the community, serving the best food since 1926. Remember, sir, free parking. If you get there, visit their website. Check out IberiaRestaurants.com. I'm Kristen Ledlow, Southeast Field reporter for Fox Sports Next, and you are listening to Pure Gold. Yes, you are. And, of course, before we get to uh, Mr. LaDuca, I have one little soundbite here that I need to play for those of you out there in Radio Live from 1640 AM, Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. That's right, folks. This is Pure Gold. And we are joined by baseball great, former Met, one of our favorite players at the time, Mr. Paul LaDuca. Paul, how are you doing this evening, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great, doing great, Paul. Listen, we thank you so much for joining us, of course. And uh, it's always a pleasure for us to be able to talk to, you know, guys that, that fans would know. And, of course, uh, the vast majority of what we do talk about on this show is sports. So to have you on, and, of course, last week you were preceded by a, a great New York Met, uh, Howard Jonathan. It's just amazing to have both of you on back-to-back shows. Now, Paul, um, of course, throughout your career you were on multiple teams. Being that we're in New Jersey, and, of course, Joe and I are both Mets fans, 
Can you tell us a little bit about your tenure with the Mets? I mean, I know you're only there for parts of the two seasons, the 05 and 06, but tell us a bit about what it was like to be on the Mets at the time when the Mets were becoming playoff contenders and, of course, playing in the uh, biggest city in the world. Well, it was uh, it was uh, great for me. I'm a kid that was a kid that grew up a Mets fan. Um, I was born in Brooklyn, but oh, wow. was raised there. Um, I, I moved when I was two. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and when I went to Arizona, you know, all they had was the Suns. <clears throat> they had an IHL team uh, as well. They didn't have, you know, the uh, Diamondbacks, the Cardinals, the Coyotes at the time. So I associated myself with the Mets, and I was a Mets fan, and probably one of the few 12-year-old kids that was jumping up and down on his bed when the Mets when the Mets won the World Series in 1986. So um, it was um, surreal for me. But I, when I got traded from the Dodgers, it hurt, you know, because they sort of sort of grew up in that organization, but right. um, to go play for the Mets was a dream come true. Um, you know, being a Mets fan and going to play back in New York and, you know, still have family and friends that, that live there, um, um, it was definitely a neat time. And we were, you know, uh, the two years I were there, we were obviously very competitive, and, and yep. 2006 still hurts a little bit. Oh, of course, of course, it, it hurts us. Trust me, Paul, every time we talk about the Mets in this show, it's pretty much like a swift kick in the groin because the Mets have been just – Ever since that season, pretty much, uh, you know, right after you left, so 07 and 08, ever since then, things have pretty much been downhill for our team. But see, that's interesting. I, I personally didn't know that you were you grew up a Mets fan. We, I always wonder, you know, me as a big baseball fan, I always said, man, if I had ever gone to the major leagues, et cetera, et cetera, I would have only wanted to have played for the Mets. But, of course, you were being in multiple organizations. Was it odd for you at first when you were drafted by a different team? And, you know, again, this is way before, of course, you became a Met. But you mentioned growing up in the Dodger organization. What was that like, being you know, at least born on the East Coast, and then, of course, making a, a name for yourself over on the West Coast. Well, the crazy part is, is you know, my father um, was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, you know, so he he hated the Dodgers. Obviously, he loved the Dodgers um, when they were in Brooklyn. He hated them when they moved to L.A., and then they drafted his son, so he had to like him again, and then when they <laughs> traded me, he hated, he hated him again. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was cool for me. I mean, the Dodger organization at the time, owned by the O'Malley's, the classiest owners out there, um, and it was a really great organization to come up in, you know. Um, uh, I was just happy to get signed. I, I got drafted late. I was a 25th rounder, um, and uh, the Dodger organization uh, gave me a chance, you know. Um, I, the O'Malley's were great. Um, the organization was a great organization. It was based on... Um, um, just so much come, you know, so much. I can't, I can't really describe it. But they had, you know, um, nights where they barbecue for every single minor leaguer. It was just oh, an wow. organization that was unbelievable. And uh, Dodger Town was special. Those were those were really good days where the fan could get really close to the player. And I know they they've replicated that a little bit, but um, it was weird, you know, being a Met fan. Um, and then playing for the Dodgers, and then you have all these Brooklyn people coming down to spring training that are sort of Met fans and sort of Dodger fans because they switched over as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a dream come true to play for the Mets, but it, I, I couldn't have came up in a better organization. Now, Paul, talking about your career personally, um, just tell us why catching. I mean, they call it the tools, tools of ignorance, you know, being a catcher. Uh, what, what, you know, th- what made you decide that you want to be a catcher versus, I don't know, a center fielder or a shortstop, first baseman? Well, you know, the thing was, is I was a catcher, and then, you know, when I signed, um, I, I was more just got signed for my bat. And um, my first couple of years, I played first base. And then in 2006, you know, I, I was in, 
we went to double A in 2005, 2006, we went back to A ball, um, excuse me, 1996. Um, I wish it was 2006, but uh, <laughs> I was in A ball, but uh, yeah, 1996. And, uh, you know, Mike Sosha handed me a catcher's mitt and basically said, listen, you know, they want you, you have to go back to A ball and become a, a full time catcher and, and learn the position. And, um, your bat's just not going to get to you the big leagues. I think what you end up realizing is there's a lot of guys that can hit. I mean, <laughs> a lot of guys. They just don't have a position. So, um, you know, Mike took the time out um, to wake up with me every morning and learn the position better and become a, a, a good you know, catcher calling a game and taking pride and knowing that it, your bat is a bonus and you're more valuable to the team uh, and, be, uh, you know, handling the pitching staff, and, you know, Mike uh, made that very clear to me until I realized that. I hated it. I hated catching for the first probably year and a half of it. I despised it, and then and then it just, I ended up loving it and didn't want to play anywhere else, you know. So um, I guess I had that sort of controlling type person in me, and I like to be in charge, and, um, and I loved it. But if it wasn't for Mike, I wouldn't be where I was, definitely. That's great, Paul. Now tell us, like, uh, give us the inside scoop about being a catcher, how important is how important is it, or is it not important, to build a relationship with the starting pitcher? Well, that's a huge part. I mean, there's going to be some guys that you need to pat on the back, and there's going to be some guys you need to kick in the butt. Just the bottom line, it's just like everything else in life. Some people have different personalities. Some right. guys I didn't even need to talk to. I, I knew exactly where they're coming from. You, you know, some guys you don't want to talk to in between innings. Some guys you would approach after the game. I mean. I think every guy has a different personality. You got to different. You got to deal with them a different way. It's just like um, a manager. I think a lot of managers and players clash now nowadays because I think a lot of the managers forget when they played. And I always say that to guys that uh, managers forget when they played because listen, we've all gone over twenty and we've all had our slumps, um, and you got to learn how to deal with them. And I think it's the same way with pitcher catcher relationship, eh? Your pitchers are going to go in slump sometimes, but you got to be the guy that right there next to them, pumping them up, and 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 whether it's it's good or bad, it has to be positive. You know, it's interesting, Paul, is that uh, you know, again, reading up on you, know you do have a daughter, and you can relate to this. You mentioned how uh, managers forget when they played. I've always likened life to you know, I think sometimes parents forget when they were kids, and when they when they raise their kids, sometimes they forget what it was like to be you know, 15 or, or 16 or whatever the case is. So it's kind of interesting that, that, that you threw that out there because now, I'm, you know, my daughter's only 15 months old, but I'm trying to be conscious of, you know, as she grows up, making sure that I'm not, you know, ripping her and, and going nuts on her for stuff that I may have done myself and kind of trying to be understanding of that. Now, you know, flipping that, of course, into your, your career, you being a catcher, of course, is a, is a huge position. It's something that's uh, as important as can be. And you were you were a popular guy, especially here with the Mets. I mean, the fans loved your attitude. They loved your hustle. You know, you were a pretty good hitter as well. So is there a time in your career, positive and negative, do you have a favorite time? Like, man, you were at the top of the world, and do you have a time that you were just down in the dumps and, you know, it's just a horrible experience? Do you have anything like that you can share with us? Well, of course. I mean, you know, I mean, I've admitted that, um, I use PEDs. It's uh, something I'm not proud of, you know. And um, I said it on Twitter about a, a week ago or so. And, and listen, um, I wish I never did. I don't recommend it. I think it's terrible. And did it probably hurt me in the long run for injuries? Yeah, it probably did. Um, um, it's something that I wish I never did. Now, um, 
to that point, I've had a lot of highs when I was on it, and a lot. I think a lot of people think that guys were um, that were on it were using it 24/7, and it was it's installs at stadiums, and that's just not true. It's just um, I think a lot of people are underestimating the amphetamine part of uh, PEDs compared to steroids. I know steroids are a huge part, and it's it's uh, a thing that you know. It's um, something that I'm not proud of, but I think the amphetamine part is just as a big uh, an issue. Um, you know, you can. I think it's a big issue around the United States, and most kids these days are taking Adderall to take to to take their final exams that are not prescribed, and that's a big issue too as well. Um, so you can go on and on. And like I said, when I when I tweeted that out, I I said told everybody that, you know. Whatever your whatever your response is, good or bad, you're right. There's no there's no wrong. There's no right. But are right. you going to tell me that we're going to disregard a complete error? I mean, a, a complete era of baseball. Um, do I think it's a shame that Jack Morris isn't in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I mean, the guy was the best pitcher in the '80s and should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, there's a lot of you know different ways you can go, but you can't tell me that um, guys like Barry Bonds who at one time. I mean, it was the best player on the planet, right. regardless. Of course. <laughs> um, not no, why I endorse what he did. No, I don't endorse any of it. I think people misunderstood, and I'm not proud of it at all. But um, it was something I did when I was young and stupid and early in my early in my career, and that's it. And um, and uh, you know, but the thing is, guys uh, decided not to say stuff about it, and right. Right. and nobody wants to address it. That's the issue. I think the issue is that everybody just wants to sweep it under the rug. Until the next time somebody gets popped and it's brought up again, right. and I think it's always brought up in the negative negative view. I mean, it just needs to be done with. I mean, they pick and chose who they wanted to um, implicate, and that's the bottom line. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because the, the truth of the matter is that when you look at the whole thing that just happened last week, and we were going to bring it up. I'm glad you brought it up actually because it makes us a little bit more comfortable. Didn't know how you felt about that. You did admit it. Saw it online and whatnot. Of course, I do follow you on Twitter, but. Do you think it was a mistake? And this, this, my personal opinion on the Hall of Fame is something that's always bothered me. I've always been annoyed by the way that the writers choose whoever it is. I realize that there's never going to be a 100% guy now, and I believe it's because nobody has ever been in earlier, so they, they figure, well, we owe it to so-and-so. Because you tell me, Paul, Ricky Henderson, greatest leadoff hitter of all time, gets 94% of the vote. How does somebody vote against Ricky Henderson? How does anybody mm. vote against Tom Seaver and guys like that? So, you know, my partner's going to, you know, continue this after you answer because we want to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame since you brought it up. What do you think about the way that the votes are counted and the way that they're tallied? And it seems like guys have personal vendettas like Jim Rice. Fifteen years, it took him, it took him that long to get into the Hall of Fame. The guy was a dominant player and said, hey, you know what, we hate him because he was a jerk to us or he wasn't, he wasn't yeah. so kind to us. What do you think about that as, as a former player? Well, I think a lot of people will say the Hall of Fame includes character, which I understand. I completely understand, and I understand where people are coming from when they say that. Um, on the other part is, I agree. I mean, uh, how can you not vote for a guy that crossed home plate more than any other player in history, in Ricky Henderson? Um, a lot of people might not like his antics. Um, maybe that's it. Um, and that's yeah, not everybody's going to love you. I mean, that's the bottom line, and you realize that. And as a ball player, um, it's sort of weird that you, you sort of zone that out anyway. I mean, I, I used to have a lot of people tell me, oh, did you hear me ripping on you or did you hear me talking? I don't hear, you don't hear that. It's just 
you go about if you do hear it and you have rabbit ears, you can't play in a place like New York or Philadelphia right. or those type of places. But um you know it's it's gonna be a tough subject to talk about for a long time. Um my my issue is, is it, with it is is I think that it's something that uh that people are gonna need to get over. Um I think um you know, and the issue that I have, and and it's in my own face, and I admit it, is that there I am saying this, and one of my best friends and players is Sean Green, and I know that guy never took one PED. I mean, that guy never drank uh, coffee, it, 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 let alone <laughs> any kind of caffeine in his body. That's how clean he was. Right. And you could argue in that era, he had one of the biggest years of all time, 49 home runs and some out RBIs, yep. and yet he gets voted for in the Hall of Fame, and he gets ripped on. And so now... Uh, you know, now I'm in his dance because he's, he's a good friend and he was a great player. Um, so, you know, it goes both ways. I get it. I get it. And, and I, it's going to go back and forth. But the issue is, is either you get on with them and take them off the ballot or you vote them in, one or the other. It's just because this is going to be, is this going to be every year? Is this going to be for the next seven years? Are we going to wait for these guys to get in? Um, you're trying to tell me a, a guy that, like, Mike Piazza doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. I know there's suspicion. I know joke. whatever, but what a joke. the whole thing is, is you're going to lump them all together or not. If the guys have suspicion, take them off the ballot. If they don't have I mean, there's got to be a way to do something, but you can't tell me, but those kind of guys with those names on there are, were, I mean, are going to take four or five times to get in. I mean, it's just, you, you have to, I don't know, to be honest with you guys, I don't know what will work, but it's not working. Paul, we really appreciate you being open and honest about this. And uh, I, I have to ask you, too, um, when you did take him, though, was it more of a peer pressure type thing, like everyone's doing it, let me just try to keep ahead of the curve, or were you doing it to, to heal faster? No, you do you do it to heal faster. You know, um, I had a collision when I was in the minor leagues, and that was the first time I took him, and I took it, uh, you know, one more time, and that was it. And I think a lot of people, and I got a lot of people asking on Twitter, hey, were you on the, the juice when you were in the Mets and this and that? No, I wasn't on it. I wasn't on it. And I didn't take it every year. I didn't take it, you know, I think a lot of people would think that, guys, we're just taking it. But I, I will, you know, and I think um, that's a little misunderstood, too. But, um Hey, listen. My my thing on it is there was guys that were also throwing it up there. There was also mediocre guys that were taking it too. So I think a lot of people misunderstand that all the great guys were taking it now and then. And like I said before, um, um, there's guys like Sean Green that were completely clean that get sort of don't get lumped in it, but it's, it shouldn't be getting lumped in it. And it's just it's really sad and um, it's it's bittersweet for me because um, I felt like I got to play with some of the best guys that ever played, and I got to play against Ricky. I got to play with Ricky, so um, it was great for me, but I think uh, it's something I wish I never did, and, and I think it's just more guys need to be able to sleep at night and come out and tell the truth, you know, and you know, and get it over with, you know. You, you mentioned Mike Piazza, and uh, we all agree that that's a shame that he didn't get in uh, first ballot, you know, guilty by association. Uh my question to you is, um, do you think, I mean, it seems like there's a no-win situation. He comes out and says publicly that he never did steroids or he just keeps quiet. He takes the route of uh, keeping quiet. So uh, put yourself in his shoes. Are, are you going to come out and say, like, I didn't get in the Hall of Fame. That's such a farce. I never did steroids. Or are you just going to keep quiet like he did? No, hey, you know, every great publicist tell you you keep quiet, you know, and that's uh, 
the bottom line. And, you know, it's just, uh, to me, Mike, uh, he did it in the two media markets too, man. And it's like, I I, I think people underscore that a little bit. And, And I think, the writers underscore that. What did Mike do? The media, nothing. Uh, he played in L.A. and he dominated. He played in New York and he dominated. Um, he lived in the city after a horrible, um, you know, horrible tra- you know, tragedy in 9/11, hitting a home run. Just all he meant to New York and L.A. and and to see the people out here in L.A. Now where I'm at, and I've lived in New York, and both the Mets and the Dodger fans can't believe. And it's, it was to me. Um, that's just not right. The guy's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He had more home runs than catcher, and you can say whatever you want about him defensively, but to do what he did under those rigors. And one thing about Mike, he caught. He didn't take pays off. A lot of people don't realize that Mike yep. caught. Um, and he played. He played, and he, he didn't get injured a lot. And he, you know, he was. Uh, he played in some wars, and he was. I mean, big no, time, big time hitter. Yeah, absolutely but, right. Just to me. Of all the guys, you know, uh, he was the one guy that got snubbed the worst for me. You're absolutely right, sir. And you know, the interesting thing is that when the when the Mets got him, I remember it was uh, it was the middle of May in 1998. My brother and I were home. We went absolutely insane when we heard of the Mets got Mike Piazza. I don't think I've ever been so happy in my life because, you know, I was five when they won the World Series in '86. So I don't remember that as well. But when you look at Mike, what always amazed me is that he did it without the use of his legs. The guy had the most ridiculous swing, didn't twist his body, just all upper body, and was hitting 400 or 500-foot bombs. And, you know, to me, like you said, first bout Hall of Famer, I believe he should go in, he should be the second Met in the Hall of Fame after Tom Seaver, simply because he spent more time with the Mets, more games, went to a World Series, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, an argument could be made either way. But, you know, Paul, getting back to, to your career, again, you played on so many different teams. Um you know, you ended up with, uh, with of course, the Dodgers, the Mets, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Is there, is there a time in your career where you feel like, uh, you know, maybe you missed the boat on something or, you know, you even playoffs or whatever the case is. I mean, obviously, you know, you didn't win a World Series. But is that something that really haunts you or, or do you just say, hey, you know, I had a great career? And when you sum up your whole career, taking the, the PEDs out of it completely, what do you, what would Paul Duca say about his career? Well, I, uh, I mean, uh I always felt about, I mean, I was a winning player, you know. Um, I uh, I took pride in, in going out every day. Uh, to play. I, I didn't like to take a day off, which I, I wish I would have done a little bit more. <laughs> uh, I'd probably been a lot healthier. Um, but I was going to give you a tough at bat. Um, I was going to move the guy over if I had to and, and do what I had to do. Um, my, my two regrets, I mean, I have three regrets. When I got traded in 2004, I cried. I mean, I, I had a, it was a finally a Dodger team that I was a part of that we were going to go to the playoffs or getting in the first place. And then I got traded to a Marlin team in 2005 that you could argue was probably, the, you know, opening day lineup was the best team that I played on in 2005. And then the hurricane hit at the end of that year, and it just didn't work out. And then to get traded in 2006 to be on that team, me and Carlos, um, I just that was a heartbreaking to lose in Game Seven, and for the Mets fans were just the one thing about that year in 2006 was it's just it was an unreal year, a surreal year, and the Mets fans were unbelievable. I I, I don't even remember a, a day on Long Island where uh, somebody didn't pay for my meal if I was out. And they hey, I got your meal or I got oh, wow. your drink or it was just truly amazing, and the Mets fans are so passionate that way, and I you know. 
and being a Mets fan at heart, it, 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 I, I feel their pain. And then from 2006, and then you know 2007, we we had the collapse towards the end. Um, it just ended bitter, and I just you know. And then when I got went to Washington, I got hurt and I broke my hand. And just I, my my career didn't end the way I wanted to. Listen, it, it happens. In 2010, I tried to make a comeback and I blew out my tricep in spring training. Um, and it just didn't happen, you know. And it, sometimes you go out that way, you go out that way. I understand. Uh, I'm over it now, um, and I do stuff for the Dodgers now. I'm back into the Dodger organization, and um, and I'll be a Mets fan. I, I tweet out all the time that I hope the Mets win the East and the Dodgers win the West. It'd be um, awesome to have a repeat '88 and get them back in the or when we had the the first round of 2006. That'd be fine. And then I'll root from there. That sounds good, Paul. Final question for me. Um, some of the greatest catchers became great managers. Is uh, is that something that you uh, are thinking about potentially becoming a future manager of a major league baseball team? Yeah, I would love to. Um, you know, learning under Mike, um, yeah, Ron Renicky was my double A manager, the Brewers manager. So, um, and just um, learned under some good guys. Steve Johnson was my first manager, and I learned a lot throughout the year from all my coaches. You know, and always wanted to manage until I would would love it. I think I could understand the player too as well. Um and been there before. Um and I think maybe I'm gonna you know, one more year I'm I'm out here in LA and I'm doing some stuff and then maybe next year I wanna maybe get back into coaching and do what I need to do and work my way up and hopefully a, a good organization will give me a chance. No, definitely Paul listen, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out. You, trust me, you don't know how difficult it is for us to try to get uh, major leaguers on this show. So when you responded to me, I was I was showing my wife. My wife doesn't know anything about sports. I was, and hopefully she's not listening to me right now. But um, she was, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. I told her who you were, and of course she was happy for me. The Howard Johnson thing, she was going nuts. So when you responded to me, I really got excited because you honestly, you, and I say this not because you're on the air, but I loved when you were on this team. I loved your attitude. I remember listening to Sports Reader all day. You were super popular with the fans. So the Mets fans, of course, said when you left. But, you know, we just appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to, to be with us, to join us. And, of course, we'd love to have you on in the future. And, uh, you know, the best of luck to you and all of your uh, future endeavors, as it were. Hopefully we'll see you back in the big leagues in some capacity and in your future. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. You guys do a good job, man. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful evening. You bet. <laughs> Paul LaDuca, ex-Met, ex-Dodger, ex-National, ex-Marlin. Um, just definitely an awesome guy, sir. Very cool. Having back-to-back baseball players on. Back-to-back and a belly to belly. I'm sure gold is great. And, uh, sir, we only have about six minutes. I just want to say, because we have a guest in studio, maybe we want to talk to him for a couple minutes. uh, In studio guest. Uh, we had, uh, the NFL playoffs, divisional playoffs, the best weekend of football. You had the Denver Broncos somehow choke away, uh, a game that they had in hand to the Baltimore Ravens. You had the Green Bay Tech. Jeez, that game was, uh, come on. That was terrible. San Francisco 49ers took care of business. They took care of Aaron Rodgers, so they move on. Right about that. I think I was 0 for – there was only four games, but I think I was like 0 for 12 in my prediction. <laughs> Sounds sure. about right. The Atlanta Falcons somehow uh, got the monkey off their back and finally won a playoff game, and now yes, they're, they did. they're in the total game against the Seahawks. That was a really good game. And then the whole hum New England Patriots uh, defeated the Houston Texans. So you got the, the Patriots versus the Baltimore Ravens, and you have the San Francisco 49ers versus the Atlanta Falcons. Quick predictions. Quick predictions, um, I think the Falcons are going to lose, and I think the Patriots are going to win. I think it's going to be what could have been last year. Brother versus brother? Yeah. No, no, no. The, the 49ers against the Patriots. Oh, okay. Last year it didn't. 
I think it's going to happen this year. And I have to say, sir, as a Giants fan, again, swift kick in the cross that three of the four teams from last year's not Final Giants, Four are yeah. back in, and the only team not in is the team that won the Super Bowl, the New York Giants. And I will go brother versus brother. I'll pick the upset. I'll pick Baltimore versus San Fran. But, sir, while we have – we can talk about this next week especially. We have five minutes left, but we have our former producer. Former. Joining yes, us in absolutely. the studio. We are joined by the one only Nelson. For those of you at home listening, of course, uh, you know Nelson. And Nelson has never been on this show other than just making farting noises in the background and putting crazy sound bites. So, <laughs> Nelson, this is quite a surprise. How are you doing, sir? I'm um, good. Can you guys hear me? Guess not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can yeah, hear yeah, we can hear. Let me just turn uh, the microphone up here. Up a little bit more. Yeah, I can hear me. Something. So, did you hear us mention your name, and that's why you stopped by? No, actually, I did, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to make uh, you guys feel bad, but I wasn't listening to the show at all. And oh, so good. I actually texted. Uh, that's, that's great, David. Thanks, Nelson. Uh, I appreciate that. No, I was actually busy, but what I did is uh, I, I checked my phone to see if you guys were doing okay. I'm like, well, they were first time working operating the system. Let me see if they actually got on the air, and I was very surprised. <laughs> And pleased to see you had a collar going, yeah, you had the whole thing going. Absolutely. So you really, you, you, you managed to, you know, move my whole studio around. <laughs> oh, of course, of you, course. You didn't tell us about the impromptu soccer game that was going on. Our show usually goes on at 6 we, and 7.30. We got here early today, and then uh, Alvaro was telling me about this soccer game, and I'm like, wait, what? Well, the, so- the soccer game was over at 5.30. No, but it continued. They went to overtime. overtime. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he was broadcasting it? Yep. Yeah, it was broadcasting. supposed to. I'm going to have a talk with him. <laughs> that game wasn't supposed to go on the air in the first place. Oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, it's all right. Well, I just want to congratulate you guys on a great show. No, uh, of course. You guys you guys have this thing going. You, you got it all set up. And, well, of course. Uh, now you want to be getting phone calls and emails and text messages. <laughs> yeah, in here. I'm glad you guys are leaving. I'm leaving this all in good hands. And it's not all state, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, the good news, Nelson, you, you've been really great to us for the last couple months, and you're still going to help us even though you're not going to be physically here. Sure. We really appreciate that. Of course. No problem. Pleasure. Now, uh, I know you can't, you know, do the uh, you know, legalities and stuff, and, of course, you don't want to incriminate yourself. And, you know, the, the grand jury testimony you're going to be doing over there in a in California, but, you know, as you move on to the to the other side of the coast, wh- let me ask you, you know, of course, again, the people listening here on uh, 1640 in Newark, they know who you are because, you know, you, you, and, Nel- uh, you and Nelson, you and Alvaro built this station. you have any anything, uh, you going to miss anything from, uh, New- other than us, of course, what are you going to miss the most from, uh, you know, New Jersey? The cold weather, what are we talking about here? Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'll miss about New Jersey. Uh, our restaurants in Newark, um, <laughs> the Yankees. Oh, uh, the Red Bulls, Sky Blue FC, all the sports teams I'm going to miss. I mean, the Yankees, I'll still have a chance to watch them over there when they play the athletics or whatnot. Uh, I'll have to actually root for the road team instead of the home team. But, you know, there's a lot of things to miss. Uh, I'm not going to miss the state at all because I think the state sucks. <laughs> yeah. uh, everything that goes along with the state sucks. But that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Uh, either way, I, I, I'm going to miss Everything there is Portuguese culture here, and there's a lot of Portuguese culture in California. Uh, I'm Portuguese, uh, but there's there's not as much stuff. There's not as much restaurants or bars or pubs. Oh, of course, the nightlife of Newark is is the greatest, and uh, I'm used to that. And I'm used to the sports teams. Of course, I'm going to miss the sports teams, including the Rebels, because uh, I've been fortunate enough to have media credentials for the last few seasons. And Rebel Arena is a tremendous uh, venue, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. You know, we built. Build this station from scratch. I had all these benefits, so to speak, and I hope you guys get to enjoy it too. Of course, I can't forget the Bears. Of course. And uh, I hope you guys, um, you know, work something out with the Bears. 
and uh, make us proud. I mean, you guys already make us proud with this great show. Only, I just have one little comment to make since today I have an open mic. You know, Mets, you know, I, I love the Mets guys you guys are interviewing, but uh, we need a couple of Yankees players on here. I don't know if you guys heard, but the Yankees uh, re-signed Phil Hughes for a one-year deal. No, actually, I didn't yeah. hear about that. We were gonna, we didn't get the chance to talk about this, but and since you brought it up, Rafael Soriano ended up signing with the Nationals, and, of course, he was the closer last year. 42 saves, interestingly enough, because that is Mariano Rivera's um, his number. You know, what do you think about that? I know Mariano's coming back. We don't know if he's going to be healthy, if he's going to be himself again. So chime in on that. And also, we'd like to touch on something else real quick. Uh, I think it's I think it's a loss for the Yankees to to see him leave because even though when uh, when Rev, uh, Rivera was healthy and he was doing all these uh, uh, these great saves that he's been having all this career, but when he had him as a setup man, um, he was he was a great pre closer yeah. setup guy, and uh, and he was pretty much pretty much lights out, you know. So instead of us uh, having uh, the opposite the opposite the position team that went to Yankee Stadium. They they thought they had eight eight, inning, eight innings to beat on the Yankees because uh, you had Rivera pitch in the ninth. Sorry, I'm a little little out of it today. No, of course. Um, so they had eight innings to score against the Yankees because when Rivera came in the ninth, that was it. They didn't have a chance. And with him, with Soriano before Rivera, he pretty much took two innings away from the opposition. So they get it's a big loss, but you know. No, definitely. And of course, he he got to rocky rocky start, but he had a great year last year. One more thing, uh, touch on, and Joe, of course, you can chime in on this. A-Rod, what do you think about the fact, and this is something that was a big topic yesterday on Sports Radio, do you think there's any possibility to the rumors that the Yankees waited as long as they have? Because it's, it's the middle of January. Mm-hmm. He's going to be gone for months on end. They're, they were saying originally maybe July. Now they're probably talking August, September. Is there any chance that the Yankees wanted to wait as long as possible so that he would miss the season and they would collect the insurance money? Uh, if that's the case, and it's a pretty good possibility, uh, I think it's great. I think uh, I think you should miss not only this season, but all the seasons with the Yankees for the rest of his career. I mean, maybe the Mets have a spot for him. But, yeah, and Mets need somebody to back up David Wright at third base. So yeah. Always need one of those. I'm telling you, I, I'm not a fan of A-Rod. Uh, even when he came to the Yankees, I mean, he's, he's he's not my type of guy. He's not he's not a people's player. Um, right, definitely not. He's very arrogant, and and, and did I mention he he sucks in October? <laughs> I mean, the guy is horrible. And the playoffs yeah. come around when you need him the most. He's the worst guy out there. So. He only carried your team in '09 to a World Series title, the well, last title that they've had in the last ten years. But, but think about that, Joe. That's the only time you're giving that, him a lot of credit just for himself. I am. You know, That's the on. only time that A Rod actually played well in the playoffs. Now you chime in on that, Joe. What do you think? We're Yankee haters. Everybody knows it, but be objective. Yankees, did they wait this long? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Did they wait till the middle of January so that they can collect the insurance money? Because why not get why not get the the surgery done immediately? Why wait this long? Yeah, I think they did it for the insurance money. The the one thing that uh, I don't want to be like uh, playing like um, second, you know, armchair quarterback, but we knew that this contract towards the end of the years it would be a pain in the butt. The guy would break down. He, oh, he, he admitted to steroids. That that was just a debacle. And from there, his bias is broken down year after year. His hip is never going to be the same again. He's never going to be the same again. He's coming back in July. I think it's going to take six months to recover from this. So you're talking about maybe August by the time he gets into baseball shape. If he gets into baseball, if he gets into baseball this, shape. This may be a good thing, guys, because if he starts in July and the Yankees go to playoffs, then he'll take go. September so and you can do good in October. <laughs> hey, that is hey, a possibility. There you go. It's interesting you bring up the contracts because we talked about this with Pujol. When these guys get these 10-year ridiculous moronic contracts, that the organization is going to be hamstrung. Now, the Yankees, interestingly enough, 
you guys know who the number one um, revenue and the number one payroll this year? What, what team that's going to be? It's not the Yankees. It's not the Yankees. Someone switched past the Yankees. That's where you're going. Yep, the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to have the highest oh, wow. payroll, over two hundred and something million dollars. Yankees are actually trying to cut payroll, uh, which is interesting. And of course, you it's know, well, yeah, no, I think it's a good move, and I think they're trying to go in the right direction. But if, if they weren't the Yankees, this era contract would have crippled them for the next ten years. And you mentioned him not producing and stuff. You know, you're stuck with him for a long time, unfortunately. But, of course, now you this year have Kevin Euclid, who's going to be uh, playing uh, third base there. Which is a, a great acquisition. Uh, another another Boston third baseman. And, <laughs> and so far, we've been blessed with them. They've been doing a good job. So. This is true. And Euclid is a, a tremendous player, and uh, I think he's going to be great for the Yankees. And I'd rather see him at third base than A-Rod any day. You know, as we talk about this, and we have Nelson joining us for the last couple minutes of tonight's show, it's kind of bittersweet that now we don't have that third person. <laughs> Because Nelson would have been that perfect person. Uh, the one thing I do want to say, though, they is never, that, You guys never give me a chance. That's you always, true. They, they made me operate, and you, you talk all kinds of bad things about me and you're make right. fun of me, and I had to be quiet. Yeah, you know, you're right. You know what the funny thing is, is that Joe talked about this when we went home last week. He said, wait a minute, why don't we have Nelson on at least to, like, thank him for being on the show? And now that you're leaving, you come back. But uh, we're going to I was going to say, the truth is that this is his baby. We're going to try to take care of it as best as we can, and we know that you're going to help us. So we're going to continue Ironbound Radio. 1640 will live on, and we'll make it the great station that you want it to be. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate that. I, I couldn't leave it with anyone more responsible and more capable of doing it than, than you guys. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful that you guys are here. Uh, I know about all the moves, all the things that you guys want to make happen in, in the near future. Like I said, you know, and Joe said it, this is my baby. Me and Albert worked really hard to get to this point. And the last thing we want is to see it uh, just end that way. And it's thanks to you guys and the people that you guys want to bring in uh, that we can make it happen. And I'm sure all our listeners are appreciating that as much as I am. And I just want to, I know you guys got to go, so I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here and, and for the great job. And I'm really happy that David got the hang of it. I want to, off the air, I want you to explain what the heck is all this stuff. <laughs> But, uh, but hey, keep up the good work, keep up the great shows, and, and I don't mind the guests, uh, the, the Met guests, but, you know, try to... I, I tell you the truth, I would love to get a... I've tried to get Paul O'Neill on the show, I've tried to get Bernie Williams on the show, um, you know, it's not easy. Know. It's, now, it should be easier being that, all right, hey, I've had Howard Johnson on, hey, I've had Paul Lazuka, everyone knows who they How are. How about Tim Raines? Tim Raines would, would, would be great. I was just talking about him at the beginning of the show with Joe. Yeah. Before we started, how he's no longer the Newark Bears manager. I would love to get Tim Raines on this show. I mean, hey, I, I'm sure you have his personal cell phone number. So, you know, no, I actually, I don't, but I, we could probably get it. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Nelson, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Folks, Thank that you. was Nelson, our former producer. We had to fire him and send him all the way across the country. But, folks, make sure you check out our show next week. We'll be back in studio at our regular time of 6 p.m. We will be joined by Miss New Jersey USA 2013, LeBelle Duran, and, of course, actress Michelle Money. Excited about that. Special thanks to actress Nicole Badan, who joined us all the way from the left coast, along with our buddy, former Met, Paul LaDuca. And, of course, again, thanks to Nelson. For those of you listening, just make sure you tune in. Check us out, puregoldpg.com. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold, or David G and Joe B, reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome. See you next week. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.